grenades at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast Time. Welcome to the show, everyone. It's Ant and Classic. Classic, this is going to be a great one. I'm looking forward to talking 49ers. We can go a little bit over the Seahawks, talk about some of that 49ers versus Eagles action. I think it's going to be a great week. It's going to be a great one. Looking forward to this game. Really got a lot of anticipation ready for it. Yeah, I mean, these ones kind of rival some of the big games that the 49ers have had uh, in the past. And you know, I mean, the first one that comes to mind for me is kind of that 90s battle where the 49ers used to compete with the Dallas Cowboys every year in the NFC Championship game. Now, this isn't, you know, they haven't continually done this, right? They haven't met like that one where they met in, you know, uh, 92, 93, 94. Uh, that was just a different era and a different time in the NFL. But uh, they met last year, and it kind of gives that feel like they're on a collision course this season when they meet up again. It could be the NFC Championship game. And uh, this one could go a long way in, kind of giving somebody an edge uh, and, and, you know, knowing that they can beat the other one. Because I think even though the Philadelphia Eagles won last year, there's enough question marks uh, surrounding the win because of the injury to Brock Purdy that people feel like maybe the 49ers were still better than them. I agree. I think they were. I think losing their quarterback, number one, I mean, Brock was actually, you stop and think about their third string quarterback beginning of the season. So they were down to the third string. And, of course, we feel that Brock was the better quarterback of the other two anyway. So, you know, they, they even though he was third string, he was the best one they had. But he proved it. The problem was he when he got injured, there was nothing left behind. I mean, you know, we we seen, the, you know, Johnson come in and try to do it, but it just didn't work, man. Yeah, I mean, you're heading into this game in a way better situation at the quarterback position than you were last year. Uh, if Jimmy Garoppolo would have been healthy, then yeah, last year, you know, Brock Purdy would have went down. You would have had at least an opportunity to win the football game. Right. Uh, this year, at least you're rolling in. You got a healthy Brock Purdy. You've got Sam Darnold, who has starting experience in the league. And you got Brandon Allen, who's been a career backup, but has also started games for you. So I don't think the 49ers really have to worry about uh, the quarterback position as far as, you know, running out of quarterbacks. Of course, you want Brock Purdy to stay healthy the whole time because. If Brock's healthy, the San Francisco 49ers are just a much better team with Brock Purdy at the helm than probably anyone they've ever had in the Kyle Shanahan era. I agree totally. I mean, you can see that he has the, the decision-making ability. He has the vision. Uh, you know, I, I like the way that even when, you know, it doesn't look like there's anything available, he moves around the pocket, buys time, and but he always keeps his eyes downfield. So he's always looking for that option out there. And I think that's a, a great uh, attribute for quarterbacks uh, because that's something we didn't see in the other quarterbacks we've had prior to Brock as they would, you know, they had to first and second reads and then that was it. The holiday season is off and rolling with the NFL in full stride and NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info with up to minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Bet Online is a top spot for everything pro and amateur sports, and not just the big four. Bet Online has the info available at your fingertips with both desktop 
and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played. From MMA to international soccer, head to Bet Online today. And remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much common now to see Brock Purdy go through reads one, two, three, four. I mean, you have two different concepts on the field a lot of times. You know, you'll run smash routes to one side, you'll run scissors to the other. And Brock Purdy is able to go play side, you know, look where he's supposed to look, and then come back to the other side and read that and still sometimes find the check down. That is mastery of an offense. You don't see quarterbacks in this league uh, do that very often anymore. Only the very elite ones are capable of going through reads one through four and finding the, the right guy at the right time against the right coverage. So many times these quarterbacks in the league today are one, two, that read on the front side isn't there. They either find the check down, you know, get it to their hot route, or they look to run. And I think that's one thing that Brock Purdy's showing is not just a mastery of the offense, but a mastery of being able to read coverages and knowing which route concepts work against certain coverages and then throwing with elite anticipation to be able to get those guys the ball in space. Well, that's the thing that I've really been impressed with too is the fact that he throws before the breaks are made. He knows where they're going. So he's learning his receivers and their decision-making and their, their body language. And so he's able to make those throws before they make their breaks and throw them open. And I think that's really important. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, that throw he made to Brandon Ayuk, uh, he rolled to the left, he set himself up. And when I broke down the, the play on Patreon, you could see him go up the field. And Brandon Ayuk was ready to come out of that break flat. And Brock Purdy led him up the field a little bit towards the goal line in the perfect location to be beyond Quadre Diggs, who had jumped into that zone and right in between four defenders for a huge touchdown to put the game away. What a throw, what a gutsy throw, but also another time where you see Brock Purdy throwing a wide receiver open instead of waiting for him to make the break and then throwing it to him, but throwing it to where he knew he needed to be to be to make a big play. It was a big touchdown, put the game away against Seattle. Yeah, I really like what Steve Young said about Brock. He said that he's like a Jedi Knight, you know, like Luke Skywalker, that he's got the force. So he's able to move around the pocket, feel the pressure without actually have to look at it, but he can keep his eyes downfield. And then he seems to be able to guide the ball downfield to get it to the proper location and with good touch. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, one of the weaknesses of quarterbacks uh, is a lot of times they'll look at the pass rush, right? Yes. They'll get their eyes set on a fi fixated on a pass rush. They'll get their eyes down. They won't look down the field. Once they escape the pocket, they won't look to continue to throw the football, but just take off running. And I think a lot of times you miss plays down the field because you don't have that awareness to be able to locate receivers and know which throws you can make. And I think that's one thing I love about Brock Purdy. I think he's a self-aware man where he understands what his skill set is and what he needs to do to be successful. And he only makes throws that fit within his skill set. He doesn't try to get out you know, beyond his skill set. And that's what I love, because if you remember in training camp classic, there was a lot of conversation from the media that Brock Purdy was throwing too many, too many interceptions. He was not looking good all the time. And a lot of people said, hey, he's coming back from injury. But one of the things that I've consistently said is, that's where you test your limitations. That's what you test what you're capable of doing. And I think Brock Purdy did that. And now that he's coming to the season, he knows what his limitations are. And he's definitely in full control of what he's doing on the field. And he never looks like he's doing too much. 
Well, and that's, you know, going back to the Star Wars analogy, Obi-Wan Kenobi Shanahan uh, has got him out there teaching him in, in training camp and et cetera. Try things to see what you can do. And that's when you want to try them. When you're out there in training camp and you can test it, doesn't hurt anything, make your mistakes in practice, not in the game. And that's one of the things that I think that's really awesome about the 49er system is they're telling their guys to try things and practice, to push the envelope, to see what they're physically and mentally capable of. And I think that's what we're seeing now the results of. Yeah, and, and let's talk about this 49ers offense a little bit. Uh, against Seattle, they were on a short week, um, but you wouldn't have known it the way they were able to execute and it was a plan early that saw them go to Debo Samuel early and often. Get Debo involved in the run game, get him involved in the passing game. And since Debo and Trent Williams have come back, we've seen this offense once again average well over 30 points with those two guys in the lineup. Is this just the norm now? Is the 49ers offense just good enough to score 30 points every single week? And what did you see from that game plan of Kyle going to Debo early? I, I thought it was awesome, and I do think the Niners offense – are capable of scoring scoring 30 points every game. Uh, I think that they just have too many weapons. I think Kyle's got a great battle plan when he comes into a game and schemes it. But most importantly, too, is that he's able to make those adjustments on the fly. And I think that's the problem with a lot of coaches. They got their script, they got their plays, but they can't make those adjustments. But his uh, players are so knowledgeable about the system, and they are also very skilled and intelligent, so it allows them to make adjustments. I remember when you and I were coaching, there was times you would call plays, I'm going, wait a minute, what do you, what do you call We never ran that in practice. But your players understood what you were trying to accomplish, and so they were able to make those adjustments themselves and understand what you wanted to do. And I think that's where we have uh, reached that point with the 49er offense is that they're understanding Kyle's thinking and they know what he's wanting to accomplish by what he's saying to them. And so they're able to go out on the field and execute the plan. And I think that's really important. Yeah, flexibility is always a key to success, uh, whether you're on offense or defense. You know, being able to roll with the punches Using a Bill Walsh analogy, uh, rolling with the punches really helps you be able to yes. counteract, you know, and uh, a lot of times that's what you have to do. And you see Kyle Shanahan do that on offense, take advantage of mismatches that are presented because of what the defense is doing to you. Uh, but the key is putting your offensive players in the best situation to be successful. And if that means doing something out of the norm, they do it. I thought one thing that was interesting about the game as well was Christian McCaffrey. Because it looked like early on, the full focus of the Seattle Seahawks was to limit the effectiveness of Christian McCaffrey. Yet, when they got into the running game, they could not limit the effectiveness of Christian McCaffrey. The way that he was just being patient, his vision, his explosiveness, not to mention his tough physical running. It was just a full, on-display, best running back in the league type stuff, classic what did you see from Christian McCaffrey's performance? And just speak on his ability as a running back and, and a really great running back in the league. Well, there's several things with McCaffrey that makes him special and unique. Number one is his vision. He's able to keep his eyes focused and find the open lane because it's really important that running backs understand the concept of running in clear lanes. You know, your objectivity or your object, what you're trying to accomplish as a running back is to avoid tackles, not to run over tacklers. So, I mean, so many times we see guys that are quote-unquote power backs. They're great, but they only, they go, you know, square to the line and run downhill, but they're running over people. So they're going to get tackled. 
But Christian has the ability that when it's all else fails, he finishes going forward. The number one thing is good vision. Number two is his feet never stop. He's able to keep his feet moving all the time. When he meets resistance, he doesn't let his feet stop. He pushes through and keeps them pumping because it's like pistons in a motor. I've said that before. And if the pistons in the motor stop, the running back stops. So you got to keep your feet moving. He's also very agile. He's able to go uh, to jump cut, to jump step, to slide cut. And he uses a spin, a stiff arm, all the tools that he has at his disposal, he takes advantage of them, and he seems to do it at the right time. You know, there's a time to do the different moves, the different cuts, just like you do on the defensive line. So I, I really am impressed with his ability, number one, to run the ball with extreme uh, ferocity and run it hard. But he's also able to find those lanes and keep moving forward. I mean, it takes a lot to bring him down. And then I like, too, that he's able to go out and, you know, be a receiver out of the backfield. He just has all the tools. Yeah, he's an extreme weapon that the 49ers can use. Uh, Kyle Shanahan just has weapons on weapons on weapons. And you have interchangeable weapons with Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. And that makes it really difficult. And you talked about McCaffrey in the passing game. And that's going to be one of the key matchups for the, for the 49ers versus the Philadelphia Eagles. I put out a video talking a lot about it this week is the fact that McCaffrey's a mismatch for the Philadelphia Eagles uh, linebackers. They got Morrow. You know, I mean, these guys are good, um, but they're, they're not great. You know, I mean, they they lost really good linebackers from last year. Kaiser White left in free agency, and he went to Arizona. And that was the key matchup last year was, you know, Christian McCaffrey against Kaiser White. We never got to see that realized. But now we're coming into a situation where they got Cunningham, who's heard Morrow, who's been, you know, in and out of the league. And you've got Christian McCaffrey sitting there. Now, what Seattle tried to do, Classic, was they tried to put Jamal Adams in the backfield and use him, or I'm sorry, at the linebacker position, and use him in the box to take away McCaffrey sometimes, line up on Kittle, kind of a hybrid linebacker role. I don't know if the Philadelphia Eagles can do that. They do have a guy similar in Sidney Brown, but do you think that you know that is something Philadelphia can do, that they can bring a third safety into the box and stop the 49ers if the 49ers decide to go to you know a 21 personnel or a 22 personnel where they're going to have two tight ends on the field? No, I don't think they can because it's just their the skill of their, their their players. You know their skilled players are so great and so versatile. It would be difficult to cover them. You know in that situation. I mean, you got Debo lining up in the backfield. There was plays I seen Debo and McCaffrey in the backfield. So and the thing is, you can split. McCaffrey out, they split Debo out, they'll bring him back in. So it just moves the coverage, you know, responsibilities on the Philadelphia Eagles side to all different kinds of people. It's hard to get that long on matchup. And so I really think that it doesn't matter what they do on the other side. If Kyle keeps his eyes on what's happening, which he will, he'll be able to make the adjustments needed to give the favorable matchups to his uh, players. I think his personnel can handle it. Yeah, one of the most interesting things to me is the Philadelphia Eagles went out and they they traded for Kevin Byard at the trade deadline. And and Byard has been an all-pro player in this league for a few seasons with Tennessee. He's solid. Uh, but that hasn't improved their pass defense against tight ends. Uh, George Kittle has been one of the most effective tight ends in the league this year. In fact, he's been the most effective when you're talking about targets to receptions to yards to touchdowns. Uh, he's one of the best. And you look at Philadelphia, and they're the worst in the NFL in DVOA uh, against tight ends. They give up an average of five catches for over 44 yards per game. I think it's 48 yards per game. 
Is this a game, do you think, that George Kittle can really get going and have some success against a Philadelphia Eagles team that's going to have so much else to worry about between McCaffrey and Debo and Brandon Ayuk? Uh, Is this a game that George Kittle can just take over and have a huge game? Absolutely. And because with George, it's not only him being open to catch the ball, it's the yak yards after the catch. He's just so difficult to bring down. So I think that, you know, he's a mismatch for any of the, any of the linebackers that Philadelphia has that they can put on him. And also the safety. When they bring that, that safety down, they can't match up with George. He's just too quick, and he runs too precise of routes. And I think Bronk's got a good, you know, relationship with him, understanding what George is trying to accomplish. And that's difficult because sometimes George sort of goes uh, rogue and does a few things on its own, so it makes it difficult. But Brock has done a good job of trying to stay with him. So, but I mean, it's it's going to be a difficult time for any of the Eagles linebackers or safeties to cover George. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, Jamal Adams used to be an All-Pro safety in this league uh, before the injuries, and George Kittle created separation against him. That that was a mismatch last week. And I think if the 49ers can find a matchup that puts George Kittle on Reed Blankenship, uh, the second safety for the Philadelphia Eagles, I think that's a real mismatch problem for the 49ers. Uh, Philadelphia's had a a lot of concerns in the secondary as well because they lost their nickel corner. Last year's uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, he left in free agency and went to Detroit uh, during the offseason. And now, you know, they've had an injury with Avante Maddox. He's out for the season and they're having to roll with some guys. And they brought in Bradley Roby. Uh, he's been inconsistent and injured. They brought in Josh Job in the draft a couple years ago. They've even tried Eli Ricks. It's been a revolving door of nickel corners for the Philadelphia Eagles. And here come the 49ers classic. And we know Kyle Shanahan likes to dial things up. He's going to put pretty much everyone in the nickel, right? He's going to put every single one of these receivers at some point in the slot and see if they can find a matchup problem against one of these corners. Oh, absolutely. And again, that's what's so amazing about the 49ers is all their skill players are able to do that, and they can play the slot. You can put McCaffrey or Debo, uh, you know, Brandon Nayuk, uh, you Even Jawan Jennings would be a matchup problem in the slot because he's so big and physical. So I think it's a it's an opportunity for the Niners to display some prowess on offense and and really be dominating. What did you think about Juwan Jennings' uh, effort on that third down against Seattle? Where I mean he's I mean it looks like he stopped short of the yard or line to gain, uh, but ends up getting it. What did you think about the effort from Juwan? Oh, it was awesome. I mean he is definitely one of the Yak brothers. I mean he's just difficult to bring down and. What I love about all these 49 receivers and skilled players is they don't stop at the first contact. They just keep moving. They keep going. I mean, he was spinning those guys around like uh, they were tops, man. And, I mean, it was great. I mean, he looked like a ninja warrior out there. So I think it was a great uh, opportunity. And I, I'm very happy to see, you know, Jennings on our team. And I'm, I'm really excited about his emergence as a primary receiver, too. Yeah, I mean, uh, Juwan Jennings helping in the run game is is never a question. Uh, but any time that he helps in the passing game is a huge bonus for this 49ers offense. Let's let's talk a little bit about the Philadelphia Eagles because uh, they got Jalen Hurts, and Hurts is a dual-threat guy. He's got the ability to run the football, which is always a problem. Um, but he's been pretty efficient with his arm as well. But one thing when I dug into the numbers, the fact that he's thrown 10 interceptions this year was definitely something to make me pause and Philadelphia is actually negative two in turnover differential. That's not good. When you talk, when we're talking Jalen Hurts, what makes you the most nervous? Is it his arm or is it his legs? Oh, it's definitely his legs. 
because his arm is average. I mean, it's it's not bad, but it's not you know elite. But also, it's his his decision making isn't always the greatest. That's the the primary difference between him and Purdy. Purdy may not beat you with his legs; he can still use them, but his decision making is great. Sometimes I I look at when I'm watching Hertz is that he makes quick decisions because he's feeling pressure. And if he doesn't want to run the ball or he feels like he cannot run the ball, he has to throw it. Sometimes he presses the ball and tries to get in windows where there's really not a window. The window's closing, and he still tries to put the ball there. I mean, I think you just got to, you know, confine him and and not let him hurt you with his leg because I think that if we make him one-dimensional, but he's got to throw the ball, I think we have a great opportunity. Yeah, the 49ers definitely are going to try to take away the run game. They're going to try to slow up DeAndre Swift. Uh, but one of the things that is – makes everyone nervous is the fact that they can run the read option with Jalen Hurts on the edge. Right. Uh, and when you're doing that and you have a running back that's proficient enough like DeAndre Swift, you have to worry about making sure your linebacker or your defensive end get down the line of scrimmage or get into their uh, designated window to make sure they stop the play. And then they throw the re- the RPO off of that. Right. Uh, next thing you know, the linebacker vacates and then there's an open spot. How tough is it to stop that style of offense um, in today's NFL, is it is it impossible or can it be stopped? It can be stopped, but it's real difficult. You know, I think, uh, like I've heard you say before on some of your other broadcasts, is changing the read points. I think that's important. Uh, also, I think, you know, that you, you have to keep an eye on what he's doing in the backfield. I think even the defensive linemen got to make sure uh, that they keep their eyes downfield. You know, I mean, that's one of the things I see a lot. With defensive linemen, they get they get so caught up with the blocker and looking at him, they don't keep their eyes downfield to see what's happening in front of them. So if you can do that, you can see what you know Hertz is trying to do. If he's giving the ball or he's taking it away, so Hardgrave and Armstead can come through and they can help fill those you know gaps in the middle, which frees up the outside guys to really do their job. But I think a lot of it's scheme. I think you know Wilkes is good enough; he can figure it out. But it can definitely be stopped. You just on defenses now, and especially the 49ers, you have a lot of guys with a lot of talent, a lot of ability, good tacklers. And I think that it's just I think they're more than capable of stopping the run. I think they just gotta play discipline and they gotta play assignment defense. Yeah, never before has there been a week uh that you needed to have success on first and second down. Right. Because when the Philadelphia Eagles get to third and short, they're pretty much impossible to stop with the tush push. Uh, a lot of people call it the brotherly shove there in Philadelphia. But, I mean, when they get to third and two or, you know, fourth and two, they have a really good shot of converting. And every single drive, basically, I mean, Nick Sirianni said it starts first and nine. Number one, what do you think of that play, the tush-push, the brotherly shove? Uh, what do you think about it as far as should it be, you know, allowed in the NFL? And then do you think there's a way to stop it uh, schematically? Well, first of all, I don't think it should be allowed. I'm just, I mean, no one's gotten hurt yet, but I'm just waiting for someone to get really hurt and hurt badly because it's just a mass of bodies all piled up together. And you watch their offensive linemen, they're all dropping their heads. They're coming forward with their heads down. And that's just a good way to get hurt. I'm I'm concerned from a safety standpoint, someone's going to get their neck hurt, you know, and, and then that will create a, a major problem. I don't like that. Also, the offense is at an advantage because they can assist the runner where the defense cannot do that. So it puts them at a disadvantage. Uh, Is there a way to stop it? I honestly don't have an answer. 
Uh, I think that some of it is just you got to get those linemen, you know, up and not going down because that's what they're doing. You know, I mean, you got a quarterback that can supposedly, I don't know for sure, but supposedly can press 600 or squat 600 pounds. It's true. So, yeah. So, I mean, he's got phenomenal power in his legs. And then you put two guys behind him that can do it. And it, I mean, it's just, like I said, it's a rugby scrum. That's all it is. And so I don't, to me, it takes the, I don't know, the, the, the game away. Because, you know, it's like you said, the only way to really stop it is not let them get to that point where it's one or less for a third down. You know, keep them off the, off the line. Yeah, I think the NFL is going to have to examine it. Either they're going to have to change the rules uh, for the offense <laughs> um, to match what the defense is allowed, or they're going to have to allow the defense to start doing the same thing. Exactly. And if that happens, then what are you going to have? Crown of heads of the offensive line and defensive line against each other yeah. with linebackers and safeties pushing on those defensive players. It's the only way you can actually stop it, and it's just not allowed in today's NFL. So it is all about keeping them to third and three and, and further. And I think even in some cases, you want a third and five and further because if they get third and five, a lot of times, especially if they're in plus territory, they're going to be willing to just run the football, uh, get two or three yards, and then go ahead and hit the, you know, hit the brotherly shove. So the foreigners need to make sure they do a really good job on first and second down. And I think that it's all about negative plays in this game. If you can force a run for no gain, or if you can get a sack on Jalen Hurts early and produce some third and longs, which is the third and eight plus, I think the foreigners can have some real success and get out the field against Jalen Hurts in this offense, because even though it has moments of explosiveness, it's really not that explosive of an offense. He throws up a lot of 50-50 balls. And if he's going to not have the opportunity to do that, I think the 49ers can get after him and get some sacks. I agree. And I, I think if the 49ers can put some pressure on him and slow down the run game, I think they can get in his head. Because I don't think he has the, the ice in his veins like Purdy does. So I think he can get happy feet and he can get pressured enough. He'll want to get rid of the ball right away uh, and not have that responsibility. So I, I really think that that's the key is first and second down. You just got to you know hold into hardly anything. Because like you said, if they can, you know, get something even on third down so they can get close enough for that shove, they're just in, almost impossible to stop. Yeah, and, and one question mark last year was, you know, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, how would the 49ers secondary do against them? Well, in that playoff game, the 49ers held, uh, you know, the two cornerbacks only allowed two catches for 16 yards. Uh, that was Diameter Lenore and, and Traverius Ward. So they had a lot of success limiting the effectiveness you know, of the Philadelphia Eagles offense. And now you've got Steve Wilkes running a lot of, you know, different adjustments at the line as far as coverages, uh, you know, disguising coverage, running shell coverages, and also disguising blitzes and, and just kind of getting in people's heads. Is that something you think will benefit the 49ers in this game that they can still disguise and fool Jalen Hurts uh, to make him at least hesitate and give Nick Bosa, Chase Young, and this defensive line an opportunity to get home? Absolutely. It's a chess match. I mean, and you got to use the players you have. And if Wilkes can disguise the players and what's happening up front so they have to stop and think, like I always say, anytime they have to think about it, it slows them down. And so I think that's what he has to do in order to have the success of putting the pressure on Hurts and that backfield. And I think he is more than capable. I mean, he, he showed it in some other games. I was so impressed with some of the things he's he's done. I mean, five men on the line, he had – uh, Chase Young and Bosa standing up in the middle. He brought linebackers up, and then he'd drop them off, and he'd zone, bl uh, zone blitz. And, 
and drop Lyman back. And I seen Armstead drop back in coverage. So I mean, yes, he can really disguise it. He can run the different stunts up front, and I think that's what he's got to do to keep them off balance because this is a good offensive line. Yeah, I mean the Philadelphia has you know talent all over the place. Uh, I think the, the most of their talents on offense, it's, their defensive line is fantastic, but uh, their offensive line is really, really good. It's going to be strength on strength, 49ers defensive line versus Philadelphia's offensive line. Uh, Chase Young has had experience going against left tackle Jordan Mailata this year. He had two games already when he played for the Commanders, and he did get a sack against Mailata. Do you think that experience going against certain players uh, gives you an advantage? You have... Uh, Chase Young, that's win against Jordan Maialata a lot. And then inside, you have a guy in Javon Hargrave who practiced against uh, the interior offensive line for Philadelphia in, you know, for a couple of years now. Do you think that gives the 49ers an advantage in knowing what they're going against? Well, absolutely. If you have an inclination of what your opponent's going to do, and because they develop tendencies, and if you can exploit those tendencies, you're going to have uh, the advantage and win the, win the match. And I think that it's a great thing for us. I think we need to take advantage of those guys and make sure that they're put in positions to utilize what they know to their best ability. So I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, it's a head game. It really is. It's a chess match, not checkers. So here we are. We got 49ers versus Eagles. Uh, 49ers need a win. If they get a win, they're within one in the loss column. And that's with the Eagles having to turn around and go to Dallas next week. 49ers have a real shot to get the number one seed if they can get a win. Classic, do you think the 49ers come away with a victory against Philadelphia in Philadelphia? Yes, I do. I really think the Niners will score 30-plus points. I really do. With all their weapons they have and the way Purdy's been playing, uh, and I think that we our defense can stand up and hold them. I really believe that they're going to hold them to less than 16 points. Wow. You know, and I hope they do. I hope they slam the door on Philly. Yes. One thing we saw from Philadelphia is they just hold, you know, hang in there, hang in, hang in there, and then eventually they make enough plays and they catch up. And I think the 49ers need to make sure that if they get an early lead, they absolutely slam the door on Philadelphia and any chances they have to come back. I think a demoralizing victory like that where the 49ers not only get ahead, uh, but stay ahead and don't let anything come from Philadelphia uh, could put them in a little bit of a... Uh, control area when they play Philadelphia again, if they play Philadelphia again. But a lot of people got to remember Philadelphia is playing. They played Kansas City. They played Buffalo. Now they're playing San Francisco. Then it's next week in Dallas. And then the following week, it just got flexed. They're playing on Monday night football against the Seattle Seahawks. This is a tough stretch. If ever there was a time for the San Francisco 49ers to overtake the Philadelphia Eagles, this is it. Yeah. And I think Kyle has to put the pedal to the metal and not let up. Because it's like you said, if he can, we can beat them and dominate them, then I think it will demoralize them and make at least have doubts. You know, we got to put doubts in their head. Yeah, you can prove that you can win in Philadelphia, and that's a big feather in your cap. 49ers did it in 2021. Last year, we didn't get the game we wanted because of the injury uh, that was suffered by Brock Purdy. But now this year, we're going to get to see it. Have the sum of parts changed a little bit? Absolutely. We're going to find out who the best in the NFC is and you know, maybe who the best in the NFL is uh, in this matchup between the 49ers and Eagles. I agree. Looking forward to a great game. Yeah, me too. So Classic, another great episode of the Ant and Classic show. Thank you guys all so much for joining us for the episode. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Until then, stay safe. I remember the right way is always the 49ers way. Loving it, man. 
Full episodes of the AN Classic Show are available over on Patreon. Hope to see you over there. Join us on Patreon for more content just like this. Thanks for watching. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.